Welcome to the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast. Here we get raw, real, and vulnerable. We bring the heart, the mind, the body, and the soul together as we explore the complexities and nuances of the father-daughter relationship. I'm your host, Sirzana, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Follow and subscribe for insightful conversations where we share the spice, the sugar, and the salt, where we share lessons, a lot of laughter, some heartbreaks, and everything in between, where healing and learning becomes a collective experience. This is the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast for the daughters and their fathers, because your story matters. Our story matters. I started going for counseling in my second year at University of Toronto. What made me start going for therapy is a story for another day when I have gathered enough courage, uh, which may not happen anytime soon, but hopefully in the next few months, I will record that episode and I'll call it What Made Me Start Therapy. So this was during one of my therapy sessions and my therapist at the time was also a doctor She had really impacted my life in ways I can never put into words, and I'll be forever grateful to her for showing up for me um, when I really needed somebody. And one of these days, I'll I'll put together everything that I've learned from her, and I'll share with you, with you guys. And I remember this one session, I sat down, I looked at her, and I said, I think I have daddy issues. And I'll never forget the way she looked at me. Um, She looked surprised and she asked me where I learned that term from and why will I say such a thing about myself or what made me say that about myself. So I told her that I had looked it up on the Internet. But the real story was that the same week, just earlier, I was talking to an old friend of mine from high school and... um, for whatever reason, he said that I reminded him of Robin, the character Robin from How I Met Your Mother, the show, who also apparently had daddy issues like me. Now, I have never watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother, so please don't hate me guys for that. I, I think I have not watched most of the episodes anyway, so I felt a little clueless. But I but I did remember, um, I obviously I know Barney and Robin and Ted, but daddy issues? What are daddy issues? Now, I was 19 and this was the first time I heard that term. And if you think that it's a little too late to learn about that term, well, don't forget that I came to Canada when I was 18 from Bangladesh. A big shout out to all of my South Asian Canadian folks and listeners, especially the ones who understand how it is being back home and also being here in the West, who understands the love for ice caps and at the same time appreciates a really nice piping masala chai. Um, And for Everyone who understands intersectionality. So yes, I hadn't come across the term daddy issues back home, but the term broken family was very prevalent. And any time and every time I was referred to as a child from a broken family, which did happen on multiple occasions, it would drown me in a lot of shame. Even as a child, it just drowned me in shame as if as if there is a defect in me. I I felt broken in a way. I felt damaged in a way. I felt not good enough. And I feel so terrible saying this, but anytime I saw someone my age or even a little girl with a loving, 
present father around them. Or when sometimes my female classmates will have their fathers come and pick them up from school, I um, I felt this jealousy within. I felt this raging sadness within. And I somehow felt they were better than me. Somehow they were more attractive than me. Not just to the opposite gender, but in the society. As if they're more accepted than me. More... They're more worthy, and somehow they're probably smarter than me too. Somehow the chances of them being chosen for whatever reason, or admired or praised or celebrated, is higher than mine. And that's how I felt. I know now that feelings don't always mean reality, but that's how I felt back then. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm not the only person who has felt that way in similar circumstances. And my heart goes out to everyone who has been there because it's not a good feeling. And it can have a very sneaky negative effect on our self-esteem and self-worth. So I will briefly share why I had started therapy. Um, I know I said I will do it on a different episode, but, and I will, but I, I will just briefly share it to give some context. I had started therapy in 2013 because I was experiencing suicide ideation, and I felt I desperately needed to talk to someone in a safe, confidential, non-judgmental space and express why I was experiencing suicide ideation. And the reason why was because I was sexually assaulted by the brother of a girlfriend of mine from back then. I will unpack this one on a different time because there is a lot to it, especially when it comes to consent, especially when it comes to the freeze response, and especially when it comes to how and why victims often blame themselves. I definitely blamed myself. In fact, I blamed myself to the point that I wanted to die. I felt damaged. I felt violated. I felt ruined. I felt dirty. I felt maybe no one will want to marry me now um, as a brown Muslim woman. And I felt unacceptable in front of the society's eyes. And I felt unacceptable in front of God's eyes as well. And I was not only coping with that, but I had kind of finally started evaluating the heartbreaks that had happened prior to this and why I was getting into these emotional entanglements or situationships that would only create more drama and heartbreak. And I was desperate to make sense of it, right? I was desperate to make sense of it. Um, this was way before I found out about attachment styles but I, but deep down, I just kept feeling like something's wrong with me. Is that what's wrong with me? Is is it is it my daddy issues? Is that what I have? It's like, it's like if you find out you have diabetes or depression or a condition, then you can find the medication and the cure for it, right? So yeah, I was a science kid, so I desperately needed to diagnose what I had so I could fix it. So was it my daddy issues? So here I was, all the way back in 2013 now, rushing to the internet to find out what is daddy issues. I also searched up any reference to it from the show How I Met Your Mother, and I found one of these dialogues uh, by Bernie Stinson, uh, where he says, Anytime a girl wants to get back at her ex-boyfriend, we'll be there. Anytime a girl wants to solve her father issues through promiscuity and binge drinking, we will be there promiscuity and binge drinking okay and then I came across 
some other articles that mentioned that women with daddy issues tend to be attracted to older men or that they're usually looking for attention or looking for some form of affection or approval, uh, which they didn't get from their father or that they might engage in risky sexual behavior. That felt a little weird to me and it frustrated me because I thought that is such a stereotypical thing to say. But then another part of me felt, is this why I felt I was somebody who wanted physical affection? Is is this why there are moments when I imagine being in the arms of a man and being comforted and being protected and letting him know that my dad punched me on my face, punched my nose a year ago in 2012. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But but interestingly, the funny thing is I was slut shamed back home, um, especially if you come from a conservative background, if aunties or even your classmates find you just talking to a guy in a nice way. Well, you have already jeopardized your reputation. So you may not even need to engage in a physical manner with anybody at all. But the bullies back home will call you a slut to belittle you, especially the female bullies. And I'm sure that a lot of us have watched the movie Mean Girls. Uh, But the heartbreaking thing was that there were times I was shamed by some of my closest friends at the time for being a serial monogamist, or that's what they thought I was, a serial monogamist, which basically means someone who moves from one romantic relationship to another very quickly, spending as little time being single as possible. And even now, as I'm saying this, I am feeling a little weird, and I'm feeling a little shame. And even now, I'm questioning Was I really like that, as they thought and shamed me for? Because there were times when I internalized that about me and I felt crappy about myself. And I remember feeling very frustrated with those friends as well, because no matter how much I tried to make them understand, um, I wouldn't be able to make them understand that it's not that I want to go from one relationship to the other. But there is this part of me where I feel I'm such a romantic love bug, where I feel... I have this strong desire to just find my one and only, my my friend, my lover, who hopefully who will turn into my future fiance and my husband. And during and after every breakup, as much as it hurt and as much as I may have not wanted the relationship to end, there was this part of me where I just could not. In fact, there is this part of me still here where I just cannot stop believing that there is someone out there for me. And despite the breakups, I would keep my heart open to possibilities. The difference was that I didn't have the maturity back then and I was naive and I did not understand the importance of taking the time to get to know myself before any relationship. And after all these years, I think that's a very normal feeling to have, especially for late teens and young adults when suddenly you start being interested in finding that love or connection, right? And I think for me, subconsciously, I was also seeking out relationships because, again, subconsciously, I was probably not very comfortable being single. I think I felt alone being single. I think I needed I needed a partner. And for whatever reason, 
I was probably more vulnerable to a male presence making me feel special. And I was very prone to developing crushes very quickly and frequently. And now we are finding connections between limerence and young age or even in any age and complex PTSD or childhood PTSD. Uh, limerence is defined as the state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person, typically experienced involuntarily and characterized by a strong desire for reciprocation of one's feelings. Now, mild limerence is kind of common in most of us, uh, especially when we're going through puberty or our teen years. However, trauma or PTSD can make you experience limerence more chronically. Now, these butterflies are ruminating over your crush, wanting to get their attention, fantasizing about them, falling in love with them, imagining them falling in love with you. All of these can also be a coping mechanism or escapism when there are adverse childhood experiences. And if there is trauma or a violent household, a young adult subconsciously may also look at emotional entanglements or situationships or relationships as a distraction. Or they might unknowingly and subconsciously be wanting to be emotionally rescued. And like every science kid, I thought to myself, if I can name the problem and if I research on it, then I should be able to fix myself, right? Well, except it can be very difficult to do anything really if there is a lot of shame involved. And maybe for some people, shame is their primary driving force. But for me, anything that would make me feel shame, I would just want to run away. It's not the same as guilt. It's it's not the same as guilt. And maybe in a different time, we'll go more in depth with shame and guilt. But interestingly, I have been carrying a lot of shame around the term daddy issues, just just the term, just the phrase. And remember the therapy session that I was talking about earlier? Well, at the end of it, my therapist reminded me that our relationship with our fathers, they do impact us. And yes, sometimes we subconsciously end up choosing romantic partners who can be very similar to our fathers. <laughs> so she was telling me that I should watch out and I should be careful. And she had also asked me not to use the term daddy issues towards myself in the self-deprecating manner that I was doing it. So yes, after that, I would avoid using that phrase altogether. I would avoid thinking about it even. And if I heard it somewhere or someone mentioned it in a joking way, I would actually feel a little bit of anger. And I would feel like, what do you know about having a father who was physically abusive or who you witnessed to get drunk out of his mind and slam your mother's head on the wall or who you would always have to watch out for so he doesn't end up choking your mom again. So that phrase in no way seemed funny. And it reminded me of some very ugly chapters of my life and it also inherently made me feel like I was a woman with issues because I had daddy issues. And so very soon when I started looking more deeply into how my childhood and my relationship with my parents impacted me, I had opted in to instead choose the phrase father wounds instead of daddy issues. 
The term daddy issues felt judgmental. It felt belittling. It carried a twinge of discomfort and awkwardness and sadness and anger. It reminded me of all the potential ways that I was probably damaged or all the ways that I was flawed. It reminded me of the microaggressions and the little micro-societal rejections and the stigma and the judgment and the pity that my mom and I would come across in the society. It reminded me how deeply I missed my father, how deeply I missed the family unit that we had, and how deeply I would wish that there were no issues to begin with. So yes, I carried a lot of shame just around the catch-all phrase daddy issues. And it wasn't until last year in 2023, almost 10 years since I first looked into it, that I started studying and reflecting more deeply about father wounds and its effects, and also the different implications of the phrase daddy issues in the modern or the contemporary pop culture. And this is what I've gathered so far. Obviously, there is a historical context of Sigmund Freud's Oedipus Complex, which explores the paternal influence on a daughter's psyche. Basically, for daughters, Freud believed that during early childhood, a girl has a strong bond with her father and might even feel a bit of competition with the mom for his attention. And I mean... Even if I had never come across Freud, I would have hands down admitted that I was definitely way more attached to my father than I was to my mother. And I was daddy's little girl. I was obsessed with that man. I loved him. I would jump on him every time I saw him. And one of the happiest moments every single day of my life as a child was when my father would finally come home from work. But only in the late 20th century is when the term daddy issues started getting more popularized in movies and music and literature. And in today's pop culture, the term daddy issues can take on multiple meanings and interpretations, right? Psychologists may view it from the lenses of attachment theory and childhood experiences. But on the street, my darling sister or <laughs> my darling brother, sadly, the term can be used as a mix of casual talk and sometimes pretty harsh judgments associating it with perceived emotional instability or clinginess or jealousy or passive aggressiveness or promiscuity. A slap on stereotypes like emotionally damaged or chasing older dudes for validation or dude, not her, she's crazy. She got some serious daddy issues, man. These are not cool comments, right? And some people may use it very casually to belittle or to insult or to pity or invalidate an individual's struggles with their emotional processing or attention span or cognitive functions or decision making, relational skills, communication skills, or mental health challenges like depression or anxiety, all of which are some of which that can potentially result from an absent, abusive or distant father. And you know, my concern is that not just the oversimplification, but the oversimplification of the term into something dismissive or even derogatory can really prevent us from understanding those individuals in our lives who have had a difficult childhood or a difficult relationship with their father. And as we all know, we all not just want to be seen or heard but we deeply want to be understood. And that's my hope for this podcast to shed some light. And that's my sincere wish and prayer for all of us to be able to understand each other better 
empathize with each other better and love each other better, not despite of our difficult experiences, but because of it. Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast. I am so thankful that you were here. We hope our candid conversations have resonated with you or simply provided a moment of connection. If you enjoyed our show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. I welcome and invite you to share your thoughts, feelings, stories. If you're interested in having a conversation or being a guest speaker, please email me at thedaughterwithdaddyissues at gmail.com. Or you can follow and DM me on my Instagram handle at thedaughterwithdaddyissues. Please stay tuned for the next episode. And remember, you are not alone. Because every story deserves to be heard, especially the ones with some sugar, salt, and spice. And I thank you for being part of my story. See you soon.